Thank you, Pastor Bob and praise team. You glad to be in God's house today? I guess we could have had barbecue grills going and it had been more comfortable for this Memorial Day weekend. Anybody ever get in the wrong line? Always. <laughs> you ever get in the wrong line and, and, and spend maybe, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours <laughs> and realize this was the wrong line? Or, you know, the, the thing I hate is when, when people really aren't in line and, and you go someplace and, and you think they're standing in line, but they're just really just standing there, you know, and, and, and people are walking in front of you and then you realize, well, they're not even in line. Uh, I don't like getting in the wrong lines. I, I want to make sure that when I get in a line, I'm in the right line, the line I need to be in. Uh, two weeks ago, Terry and I flew to the Bahamas, and so you get to the airport and you pay particular, I know, I paid particular attention at the airport to look at the gate to make sure I was getting on a plane that was flying to the Bahamas and not to Mobile, Alabama or someplace like that, Right. You know, when they said what gate I needed to go through, I checked twice because I wanted to make sure in that instance I was in the right line. And, and here's a fundamental truth. We want to get to where we want to go. <laughs> now, that, 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 that's really profound, isn't it? But we want to get to where we want to go. And this is true across life. Now, now we talked about, uh, we've talked about this phrase in the past, but Andy Stanley in his book, uh, The Principle of the Path, uses this principle. Direction, not intention, determines destination. In other words, what, what we want is determined. Where we go is determined not by what we just want, but the direction of our life. And, and can I reverse that just a little bit? Destination determines direction. In other words, if there's a place you want to go in your life, if there's something you really want, that will set the course of your life. That will set the direction of your life. It's true across whatever you want to think about. In our family life, if, if family is important, if that is the destination, if that is the goal of our life, then that will set the agenda of our life. In our career, and in our academics, and in all these kind of things where if there is a goal, that will set the destination. If you want to be a doctor, you're not going to go to law school, right? You know, destination determines direction. You know, if we want to be more physically fit, then we do the things that lead to physical fitness, if we want to get our finances right, we do the things that set our finances right. Now, there's some confusion. And, 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 and it's, it, we're, we're kind of weird people. And everybody said, amen. If you're, if you're sitting next to a weird person, say amen. <laughs> because there's things that we say that we want, that we say is important to us, but, but we really don't live towards that destination, right? Can, can we all acknowledge that probably everybody in this room would say, it is really important that I am physically fit, and yet those Oreos at 11.30 at night taste pretty good, right? So all of us will admit that, that there is, there's a bit of confusion in our life, and sometimes it's because our values really don't match what we say they are. 
So, so we say family is important, but, but we work 90 hours a week, and we can justify that all we want, but really family is not the most important thing in your life, but career is. What we say that academics is really important to us students, <laughs> And yet when we're playing Xbox or PlayStation or whatever gaming system you have at 11 o'clock instead of studying for a test, guess what? Academics don't matter. Leisure lab matters. When we say that our finances are important and we, we want to have uh, eliminate debt, and yet every time a new gadget, and don't you love new gadgets? I love new gadgets. Every time the new gadget, the new phone, the new TV, whatever comes out, we buy it. And so what we really value is, is not finances, but we, we value the gadgets. Now, now sometimes in our life, we, we, we get so caught up in what other people think. Anybody ever done that? You know, what will such and such say? Or, and we do things because other people will think less of us, you know, we don't do this, or we, we do this, or we find ourselves here because of someone else's opinion, and, and, and you say, well, that's not really my values. Well, your value is what's more important to you, most important to you in your life, is what other people think about you. So the truth is that, that sometimes the things that we say we value is influenced and changed. And so even though that is the destination we may desire. Our direction is altered. But truly, if we want to get where we want to go, we have to live towards that end. Now, I'm going to say something very profound, okay? I know, it's the one time in, in like four years that I'm going to say something very profound. You ready? Heaven is the ultimate goal of followers of Jesus. Right? I mean, if you don't want to get to heaven, stand up. <laughs> no, no, nobody stood up, see? So that proves my point. Heaven is the ultimate goal of followers of Jesus. We want to live in the direction of our life. The trajectory of our life should be towards heaven. And if destination determines direction, then the direction, the way we live, should reflect the importance of heaven. Amen? Amen. We are not in eternal bodies. These physical bodies will not last forever. And, and the biblical view is, even though this may not be a popular view, but the biblical view is, this is a short-term deal and what really matters is what happens in eternity. You know, we're but a vapor. We're here and we're gone. And all of our life is lived towards this goal of life and eternity with Jesus. You know, tr truthfully, folks, we, we sit here and we mourn. <laughs> And it's right to mourn. Jesus wept. If Jesus can weep, we can weep. Amen. We mourn when we lose loved ones. But the truth is, if they are, were found in Christ when they went, uh, when they passed from this life to the next, they are, they are with the Lord and they are where they wanted to be, the trajectory of the life. They've reached the final destination.
And so we rejoice in that. Jesus gives us clear direction on how to get to heaven. And, you know, I, I could have picked any number of scriptures. But I'm going to use John 14, 1 through 6. And I'm going to read it out in IV today. So, so listen to these words. These are, these are the words of Jesus on the last night he's with the disciples. On the last night, Jesus is with the disciples before he's crucified. He's talking about what? Heaven. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And, and some of your translations may say many mansions. But, but i got to tell you, folks, that is a mistranslation. That is a misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying here. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And all God's people said, amen. What a great promise. Thomas, <laughs> and I bet Thomas wishes he wouldn't have asked this question, but I'm glad Thomas did. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? <laughs> Uh, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, th there's no way in, in, in 20 minutes here that, that, I, that I can completely unpack this passage. This is a passage that demands a series, but, but we're going to talk about it just for a few minutes. It, it, and just several things I want you to see. The first thing is this. If heaven is the destination, Jesus is the way. <laughs> if, if heaven is the goal of our life, then Jesus is the way to that goal. You say, well, pastor, what in the world? What's it mean that Jesus is the way? Well, I think it's two things. It's twofold. The first thing is that, that heaven is found not based on my own merit, on my own works, but heaven is found in the grace of Jesus Christ, in faith in Jesus Christ. That is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the work of Jesus Christ in the resurrection that gives me the hope of heaven. That it's not something that I will do and something that I will earn, but I will put my faith completely, utterly in Jesus Christ and heaven is the result. And all God's people said, amen, right? Aren't you glad you don't have to work your way to heaven? Yes. It's found in faith in Jesus Christ. But not only that. See, see I, I believe there's a, there's a secondary element of that. There, there, there's, a, there's a twist to this or a, 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 a flip side, if you will, that, that we find salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and he gives us the way that we are to live as people who are following Jesus Christ. Amen. That he gives us the pattern the, the, the way of life, and it is the way of the cross. And, and, and the cross represents what? The cross represents people who say, not my will, but your will. You know, we, we get so caught up in this, and, 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 and sometimes, I, maybe I'm the slow one. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. 
But to me, this ideal of faith in Jesus and obedience to Jesus and obedience to God are all one and the same. How can I say I have faith in Jesus Christ and yet at the same time not live in obedience to his will? I don't understand that. See, Jesus is calling us to trust him and to live a life modeled after Jesus. And by faith, I trust him for my salvation. And by faith, I in obedience follow his will. Now, a couple other things you see in this. The, the second thing is de the destination gives us peace on the journey. <laughs> you know, peace in the storms of life. I, I love that it is well song. And I, you know, there's phrases in songs and it's, it's always been this way, you know, whether, whether it's an old hymn or a newer song, there's always these phrases that just electrify your soul. And, and the phrase in that song is, the waves and the winds still know his name. Oh my goodness. I'm thankful that God is still giving men and women inspiration to write words that inspire followers of Jesus. The waves and the winds still know his name. And so we have peace in the midst of life. And we realize that, that, that the God who began this good work in us is faithful and will bring it to completion. And there is a final point. There's a final destination. That there's an end and it's in heaven. And it gives us peace. Th those of you who've lost loved ones, you can have peace today because of what Jesus has done. And you can have security in what Jesus has done on the cross and in the resurrection for those you've loved who've passed on. There is the hope, the reality, the peace of heaven. Now, now I like the language he uses. The, the, the language that Jesus uses is marriage language. Now, now think of marriages. We had two, two last week. I think I saw Rick and Tammy didn't give up a son. They gained a daughter, right? And then Dr. Purdue and Matt was married just last week. And so, so, so we, we've, we've got all these weddings. So, so we're familiar with weddings, right? Think about your own wedding. Um, you know, what was the significance of your wedding? Um, I, I can think back February 8th. 1992, it was a, a day that just saved Terry's life. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to preach that different when she's here. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the move into the condo on Saxony Drive in Westchester that was that significant. You know, I've made lots of moves in my life. <laughs> I've made like 15 moves since I came to be your pastor. It wasn't the move. It was the new relationship. You know, on February 18th, 8th, 1992, everything changed, not because I moved into a new place, but there was this new relationship, this fullness of relationship that came through marriage to Terry. When you think about heaven, it's, it's not just the change of location, but it's the change in relationship. You know, we, we sing, and, and 
If you love the song, continue to love the song. If this, these words electrify your soul, then, then God bless. But, but we sing, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, it's this image of heaven that, that and I think it's this ideal. I, I may live paycheck to paycheck now, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to live just like Jed Clampett, Right? <laughs> For those of you under 40, Bill Gates. You know, there's that ideal that, okay, it's all poverty and, and I'm poor here, but in heaven I'm going to be rich. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Terry Moore. In a house big enough that I don't have to be around people. <laughs> Isn't that the whole gift of a mansion? that you get a room to yourself. Man, isn't that why you sit in your garage and mess with your mowers and build barns and sheds? Amen. <laughs> Somebody move Ernie. But folks, that's not biblical language. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Maybe we'll get to heaven and there'll be mansions there, but that's not the language that Jesus uses. He's not talking about separate places and separate mansion, but he's talking about the Father's house. And it's rooted in this idea of a Jewish wedding where, where, where the bridegroom would be engaged and we'd go back to his father's home and we'd build a room for his bride. And when the room was complete, he would go and get his bride and bring her into his father's household. Together. Relationship. One. You know, the Bible uses all this, this different type of imagery of, the, of heaven. Heaven is like a feast. Heaven is a marriage banquet. Heaven is the new Jerusalem. Heaven is the new earth. And in all of these images, what stands out is the, not the place, but the restored relationship. Well, what will it be like exactly? <laughs> I, I don't think our humans, human minds can even comprehend the joys and the glory of heaven. But I love the video. Heaven is like going home. <laughs> this place of complete love and acceptance and provision and peace and fullness of relationship. <laughs> you know, very early on in the biblical story, and, and Josh talked about last week and how, how we orient ourselves to this, this story of God that you find throughout the book. Very early in the Bible, in, in the story of creation, Adam is in the garden and, and Adam is that everything's perfect, there's no sin. And what does the Lord say? It's not good for man to be alone. No, you women don't nudge your husband with his elbow because you know, I know how that can be perceived. But, but the truth is, folks, it's not good to be alone. And there's perfection and wholeness found in community with each other. Now, I know there's introverts sitting out there. Sorry, Harold. 
And he's saying, heavens with people? <laughs> and all of us have that, right? How many, how many likes, to, likes to sit at home in a closet by themselves at time, right? <laughs> to you introverts out there, think family reunion. And when I say family reunion, I don't mean those odd cousins from France that show up every two years, right? I mean those intimate family reunions. I, I can remember great family reunions with the Millses and the Moors. And I, I know, Terry, if my mom was here long enough, she'd find some way we were related. Uh, my, my mom finds relations in church. I tell her all the time, I say, Mom, maybe they don't want to be related to us. I got a picture of us. Look, look at that. Can you, find, can you find your pastor in that picture? Where am I at? Top right. I'm not in the top. Think lower. I'm not the one that's um, apparently adjusting these underwear in the picture. That's my cousin Raymond. He now works for Nazarene headquarters. Thank you very much. What a great picture. I'm the one that has Gumby in my face, okay? You see me? Doesn't it look just like, oh, what a cute little kid. How did I grow up into this? But I remember those reunions. You heard family, sweaty cousins. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you don't have fond memories, but think home. Think coming to your home. And, you know, I, you know as our boys are getting older and... You know, Wyatt's way out on the West Coast, and, and Dylan travels with Treveca, and, and, and he's only home, he's home for two weeks, and then he was gone, he'll be home another week, and you know, he's home for Christmas maybe a week, so, so we only see Dylan four or five weeks a year unless we go down to Nashville to see him, and, and so it's just poor Spencer that gets all the attention and all the trouble. <laughs> but those times when we're all together, oh my goodness. See, I think we have the image of heaven here. I, I do. I, I, I think just the community of believers is the image of heaven. But, but I, I think the greens are an image of heaven. I do. I, I see them and, and I see how God has brought this family together and how, 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 how their earthly father has adopted and brought them in. That, that is an image of heaven. And you are blessed. We are blessed to watch that unfold. It seems like I've, I've sat on the sidelines more on Sunday mornings, and, and it, it, it's good. It's always good for your pastor to sit and watch. It's too much the last few months for me. And, uh, you know, I'm on pretty much for the next few, few weeks, few months, and so, you know, I'll be up here more times than not, <laughs> a lot more times than I've been. But it gives me the chance just to sit in the back and kind of watch you folks, <laughs> And last week I was sitting in the back while Pastor Bob was, or Pastor Josh was preaching, and and um, the the greens were on the back like they typically sit back there, and and I looked and there were six greens on five chairs, <laughs> and, and and the thought was, heaven is like six greens on five chairs. You know, there's that connection, that love. You know, I, I never saw anybody squirm, anybody that cared. They were with each other. And, you know, when you look across that back row, none of them were born in the same home, but they're together. Heaven is like six greens on five chairs. So what's that mean? 
when we live like that here, when we live like six greens on five chairs, it's bringing heaven to earth. See, see, that's kind of the point. Jesus says, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is this responsibility, this, this great privilege to usher in heaven on earth. And it comes not just through this personal thing, but this communal thing where we love one another, we accept one another, we make provision for one another, that, that, that we are truly together. See, the destination shows us how to live. And heaven gives us not only the hope, but the blueprint for life here and now. When we're people of love, acceptance, provision, grace, we live what we are looking to gain in heaven. And so we, we catch almost a snippet. It's, it's not complete. Amen? Amen? There's more to gain, but we catch glimpses of the grace and the provision that our Heavenly Father wants to bring to us. Now we're going to close this service with communion. And to me, as the praise team's coming up to play, communion is a taste of heaven. It's not a singular, it's not a solitary spiritual thing that we do. It's not a, a solitary sacrament that we take. I mean, throughout history, people have, they've received communion. But generally, communion is when the people of God, the community of God, comes together as the people of God with Christ as the sinner. Together. It's a reminder that more is to come. Jesus says, you're, you're to receive these things. You're to eat this bread and drink this cup and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we receive the element of communion, we are saying, this is not the end, but more is to come. It's a feast. And in many ways, it's a wedding feast. And it's a reminder that someday, someday, Soon, soon, our king is going to come or we're going to go to him and there is going to be this eternal feast before our heavenly father. And we receive these elements together. In 1 Corinthians, and, and this is why, it, it always blows me away when we receive communion because of this. Paul's giving them instructions or giving them a reminder of instructions in 1 Corinthians about what was going on in the early church. And what was going on in the early church was this. They were receiving the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And 1 Corinthians is one of the first books so, so this means historically, believers in Christ were receiving the elements together, the communion elements. It was central in their worship before they had one gospel to read. 
Before there was one Bible, the people of God were receiving these elements together. I don't know about you, but that signifies to me some importance to what we're doing. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, "The cup, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we're going to receive communion by intention. And we also have up here uh, the, the little cups. If, if for some reason you can't make it to the front, just wave at me and we'll make sure you get a cup with the elements in it. There's also some gluten-free if, if, if gluten gives you problems. But we're going to receive communion by intention, which means that as you come forward, you'll dip the bread and, and, and the, the grape juice and receive it just as you go. Stand with me if you will. You'll be dismissed from the back. I'm going to pray with us as we receive these elements. Our Heavenly Father, right now, we give you praise and thanks for your goodness and your mercy, your death, your resurrection, and the fact that you're continuing to resurrect us new every day. Lord, help us to see not only heaven as our home or heaven as our, our destination, but Lord, may we also catch a glimpse of what it means to bring your kingdom, to bring heaven to this place. Lord, help us to be content. Six on five together, close, relying on each other, loving each other, forgiving one another, loving one another. And Lord, as we receive these elements, may, may we see it not just as a, an image of what is to come, but a way to form something new within me that loves those in this room in a greater measure. In Jesus' name we pray.